the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You're listening to SoCal Live with Scott Furrow on 99.5 KKLA. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Southern California Live. Great to be with you today on this Wednesday. A lot of things on the show today. Here's a question for you off the top. Do you have student loans? No, you say? Well, you do now. We'll talk about that a little bit today and uh, and why that, why that is. I've been asking I've been having so much fun with that today. I'm not really having fun cuz there's stuff to talk about with all of that that I think really matters and that is really critical to understand. Um but um I've been having fun by asking people, do you have student loans? No. Well, you do now. You get to pay for them. All of us get to pay for them. We're going to talk about that a little bit more, maybe at the 4 o'clock hour, maybe more about the specific proposal that uh, the president put out today about student loan forgiveness. But I didn't want to miss the opportunity here to talk about forgiveness. I didn't want to miss the opportunity because I I read a lot of things that uh, people are posting kind of on both sides of uh, whether or not this is a good idea or not. And in the middle of that, lots of Christians, believers talking about forgiveness and using the word kind of differently. And I thought maybe it would be worth asking that question. What does forgiveness mean to you? Like when you hear the word forgiveness, what does it mean to you? You can call and join the conversation anytime, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Do you ever think about it? Like what does uh, forgiveness mean to you? Um, and I think that there's a nuance here that maybe will will explore and it'll it'll come out you know in in what it means there's a there's an economic point about forgiveness a legal point about forgiveness and there's a spiritual point about forgiveness and we we need to understand that it's part of our our message and it it fits into this conversation that's happening today about debt forgiveness because we really need to understand what forgiveness is i think it relates I think it relates to even what we might say when one day we're standing before Jesus Christ. And if you were to stand before Jesus, that day's coming. A lot of people think that um, Jesus is coming back soon. I don't know, but I know that for all of us listening, he's coming back soon, relatively speaking. Somewhere in the realm of an average of uh, 78 years, he's coming back for you and for me. And I know they keep telling us we're going to have a pill and we're going to live a little bit longer. That's fine. But uh, you can be 130, but Jesus is coming back for you. You're going to stand before Jesus one day. And the issue of forgiveness is going to be the issue, right? The And this is something that really in a lot of philosophical thinking or religious thinking, forgiveness is a big part of it, right? With other religions, are you um, are you forgiven? What does that mean? What's being held against you? Are you somebody who um, has pleased the universe in such a way and maybe some different ways of thinking? Forgiveness is a really big deal. What does it mean to you? Have you thought much about this? Um, What would you say about it? When you think of forgiving your 
a person in your life, what does that mean you're doing like to you? Or if somebody, if you need forgiveness, you know, forgiveness sometimes is hard to give, but whenever we're in the situation where we need it, uh, it's great to get. So in a lot of my conversations today, you know, I'm hearing from some people who says, yes, I have student loans. And one person, a friend of mine, he, he had this funny thing he said today. He said, I am a, I'm an economic conservative. He said, it's a, he said, it's a funny day to be an economic conservative. He said, it's funny because I have $19,600 in student loans that I owe. And he said, and I'm a Pell Grant recipient. Now, we'll get into this more a little bit maybe next hour. But what that means is, should President Biden's proposal go through, if you're a Pell Grant, if you were a Pell Grant recipient whenever you went to college, you're eligible not just for 10000 but for 20000 So the funny part for him is he's saying, you know, fundamentally, I'm opposed as an economic conservative to the government paying off people's student loans. He says, but me personally, I owe $19,600. Like for him, the difference is he's going to have zero debt if all this goes through as set. They're going to wipe it up. And so there's a conflict there. And see, and that's the, the conflict that sometimes we have when it comes to forgiveness in our own life, right? It's, it's really easy to want forgiveness when we have the debt to somebody about something. It's a lot harder to give it, especially when we're the offended one. What does forgiveness mean to you? When you stand before Jesus, what if he asks you that question? Uh, he, and he says, what does forgiveness mean? It'd be interesting if we got that question. What do you think? 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557 is the number that you have. And you can also email me at SoCalLive at KKLA.com. SoCalLive at KKLA.com. That's the email address because this is SoCalLive. And I am Scott Furrow, your host. Glad to be with you as I am each and every weekday from 3 to 5. So that's a big part of the news. But what, is, what does it mean to you? It can mean something different to different people. There's an argument that sometimes people have in Christian circles. Maybe it's more of a theological argument, but it it filters down into your small group at some point because somebody's reading something and you get into the subject of forgiveness and then you get into the subject of hell. And somebody says, well, I read that there are forgiven people in hell. Well, how can there be forgiven people in hell? I thought that was the point. And then you get in an argument about that. And the thing is, and I'll just tell you that biblically, there's not forgiven people in hell, but it, the argument depends on what you think forgiveness means. What does that word actually mean? Because it can mean something different to you in a way that's not necessarily the biblical idea, but when you think of forgiveness, what does it mean? I thought about this today because of so many different comments. One person, uh, a couple of people actually that I interacted with had a lot of comments about whether or not this is this this uh, student loan forgiveness proposal, uh, and I'm saying it's a proposal because I don't know for sure, but I think the Congress has to vote on it. I don't think the president can just do that, but maybe he can, or maybe he can just do it, and if nobody challenges him, then I guess he can. Whatever it is, some people are saying that this is an example of grace. Some people are saying this is an example of economic justice. Um, this is an example of forgiveness, and this is just like the forgiveness of Jesus. Is this like the forgiveness of Jesus where you owe a debt, and you owe it, there's no doubt that you owe it, it's not something that is uh, in dispute, it's owed, it's on the books, 
is the forgiveness of Jesus that Jesus just makes it disappear and you no longer owe it? Is that what's happening here? Is that what forgiveness is, that it just disappears when you forgive somebody who has offended you somehow? Uh, when you say, I forgive you, do, do you mean that it disappears when a person maybe criminally offends you and say they are, they, you have been robbed or you have suffered a violent crime and you go in and when it's sentencing time, that person's arrested and they're being sentenced and you go in and you say to that person, I forgive you. Um, what does that mean to you? Do you see what I'm saying? And, and does that, if you go in and you say, I forgive you, does that person get to walk then? If I say to my attacker, I forgive you, does that mean that that person does not have to go to jail for the violent crime that they were accused of? See what I'm saying? There's something missing there, right? Isn't there? It's, there is something missing to the idea of forgiveness if, there, if that's all it is, if it just disappears. Why did Jesus have to die? Why couldn't God just say, you know what, everybody, I love you, I forgive you, everybody come on up here to the big house. Or even he could have said, hey, uh, I forgive you, I love you. Those, you, those of you who accept my forgiveness can come up to heaven. Why did Jesus have to come and why did he have to die? What's the point of that? What in, well, blood has to be shed. Well, why couldn't Jesus just prick a finger? Drop a couple of blood, you know, drops of blood on an altar somewhere, and uh, that'd be good enough. You ever think about that? Do you ever really get into a lot of that? It has to do with what we think about forgiveness. It's relatable to this, I think, because in the way we're talking about it, and I've just gone through a, a whole day of different conversation. I've seen different news reports. I've been on social media a lot just interacting with people, and what do you mean by this? It comes down to what you think forgiveness is. What does forgiveness mean to you? Do you have a, when you think of it, what does it mean? You can give me a call and join the conversation, 888-528-2557. I'm Scott Furrow, your host here of Southern California Live, 888-528-2557. You know, one of the things I think that's important that we understand about forgiveness is that there is a legal side to it, all right? That forgiveness is something that it is a part of, I think I'm hearing, uh, oh, I'm hearing it here. Never mind, I had a technical difficulty on my own side here. Uh, going, are we playing music? See, I forgive you. I don't have to forgive you because you didn't do it, Jared. I'm talking to my uh, technician here. See, that's forgiveness. Um, but uh, I'm the one who did it anyway, so he didn't really need forgiveness. When we're talking about forgiveness, it's not like it just disappears. And that's something that I think is very relevant to the discussion we're going to have in our country, maybe, on the student loan forgiveness. It doesn't disappear. Somebody's got to pay for it. It's not that the government is the money fairy and can just pull out money from nowhere and just pay off anybody's debt. Somebody pays for it. You may not have to pay $10,000 or $20,000, but somebody is going to pay for that somehow, somewhere. And that is a big point that we have to keep in mind about forgiveness, because I think that we tie forgiveness as believers, and you can debate me if you'd like to, but I, I, I think sometimes we, we think about God as love 
and we think about, you know, why would a loving God send people to hell? That's a great question, isn't it? That's a hard question. Lots of people deal with that. Why would a loving God allow that to happen? The interesting thing is that you could also ask, well, why would a loving God not allow that to happen? You know, for certain people, you know, how would you weigh that? Who deserves that and who doesn't? You know, how bad do you have to be? You know, does Hitler deserve to go to hell? Uh, do the worst child molesters and offenders in that realm, you know, where do you draw the line between it's not that bad, don't worry about it, come on up? Or where do you draw the line before, you know, these people are okay, but these people aren't? Why did Jesus ultimately have to come and die? That's a big question for Christians to understand. And it's because forgiveness is not just a, a feeling of the heart in a biblical sense. You know, we make our kids, whenever my kids have an argument with each other, I make them say they're sorry, right? And that's, that's supposed to be the end of the argument, okay? You tell your brother you're sorry, and you tell your brother you're sorry. Well, I didn't do anything. It doesn't matter. You both are guilty. You're going to tell each other you're sorry. And I want that as a parent. I want that to be the end of the conversation. But I know it isn't. And they'll go upstairs then grumbling to each other. And if I hear it, then they're in trouble again. But it will end with I'm sorry and a sort of a statement there. But often nobody really gets in trouble. Is justice a part of forgiveness? That is a big piece. There was a few years ago where an axe murderer was, had been convicted and she was on death row in another state. And she'd murdered her family with an axe. But she, at some point in prison, accepted Jesus. And most people think that it was legitimate that it wasn't just something to curry favor or to try to get a new court date or anything. It was people believe that she really did accept the Lord and that she would, upon her death, uh, be forgiven, that she would be forgiven by Jesus, meaning that legally she would go to heaven. You know, lots of people have a problem with that with Christianity, right? Is that, uh, well, somebody who killed their family with an ax, you know, is it just over for them? And what we know is in the scripture, all fall short of the glory of God. Thief on the cross went to heaven. And, uh, you know, he didn't deserve it for anything he did. He never even had a chance to act out any repentance he had. This lady never got to get out of prison. She was ultimately executed. What was a little troublesome to me is that there were some Christians, even some famous Christian leaders, arguing that she should be released from prison because she confessed Christ and she is now forgiven. And what was troublesome to me was the question about justice was left out. Okay, so she says she's sorry, and everybody agreed that it was legitimate, that she was genuinely sorry, that she genuinely repented, that she turned to Christ, that Jesus would forgive her, that if all that is true, then she gets to go to heaven. That's one question. But the idea that justice didn't need to be served, that her sentence should not be carried out, it was an odd thing because the sentence for your sin and for mine, the wages of our sin is death. And the Lord looked upon us and granted us favor and grace, unmerited favor. And in that, he gave us forgiveness, you could say. You were forgiven. But the thing is, is that justice still needed to be done. That just because the Lord in his love for us, if you're using the definition of forgive as just an attitude of the heart, well, then Jesus doesn't need to die, right? Then that's all there is to it. It's just, you know, we'll just forgive and forget and uh, you can come up here. But that's not how it works. Forgiveness requires justice. Forgiveness requires, in this case, somebody to pay for whatever damages were done. And that's 
ultimately why Jesus had to die. Somebody had to pay. Somebody had to pay for the sins. You ever watch that movie, National Treasure? I love that movie. It's one of my favorite movies, uh, National Treasure. And it's with Nicolas Cage. And uh, they go through, and what they do is they they believe that there is a treasure map on the back of the Declaration of Independence. So they decide to steal the Declaration of Independence. And they go out, and they look for this treasure. And it's all fun. But they're breaking all kinds of laws, as you can imagine. But there's two different groups of people doing that in the movie. And I don't want to spoil it for you. I don't like to be that guy, you know, who just who spoils the movies for you. Um, the, the ship sinks in Titanic. Did you know that? It goes all the way down. They never pull it up. Um, you ever have people just, uh, you know, ruin the movie for you uh, once in a while? I used to think it was funny to just, uh, you know, uh, stand in the blockbuster and go, hey, did you know Kevin Spacey is Kaiser Soze? Never mind. Um Jesus is going to have to 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 die for your sins because justice has to be served on somebody. At the end of National Treasure, there's a point where the FBI agent asks Nicolas Cage, the main character, about a bargain, plea bargain. Nicolas Cage says, I would really like to not go to prison. And he says, Some somebody's gotta go to prison. And when you think about the crimes committed in that movie and all the different things, he's right. From a cultural standpoint, they got to send somebody to prison. Somebody's got to go to jail, right? Sometimes we hear about, you know, big scandals, financial scandals, political scandals, different, different kinds of scandals. And the culture doesn't work too well if somebody doesn't go to jail, right? We just feel like somebody's got to go to jail. Well, um, he comes up with somebody else to go to jail and somebody else goes to jail, not meaning to spoil that. But justice had to be served. Somebody had to go to jail just because one person turned out to be the good guy, relatively speaking, uh, and somebody else was less of a good guy doesn't mean that justice isn't going to be served. And that's something that we need to understand about Jesus. And this is something that we need to understand about our faith. The punishment for sin is death. Uh, your death and mine. The wages of sin is death, Romans 6.23. The Bible is very clear that even good works cannot make up for the wrongs that we have done to God. And uh, Isaiah tells us that all of our righteous deeds are as filthy rags. This is part of Christianity that lots of people find to be offensive. And Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. These verses that we use so often the reason that they are imperative, that it's imperative for us to understand them is because it has to do with God's justice. God forgives us, but the penalty for our sins still has to be paid. Human beings in every culture around the world have a sense of debt that needs to be paid. That's why we look for God. That's why we have philosophy, ultimately. That's why we have religion, ultimately, is that human beings in every culture feel like they owe something, that there is some kind of cosmic sin, whatever you want to call it, some kind of cosmic debt that they have. And people carry it around like guilt, and people carry it around as something that needs to be worked out. And that is the drive for human beings to try to have a religious point of view, all right? The Bible acknowledges that and says that the reason you feel that way is because you do have sin. Okay, Theologically, most of us would agree that there's original sin, right? That you're born into a sinful world. And for some of you, that's you know, scary. You're like, well, how can a little baby have, uh, have sin? And uh, you know, once you're a parent, you begin to realize, oh, you know, that kid, the way he's looking at me, I don't understand what he's mumbling to me, but he's chewing me out. 
<laughs> I learned that as a parent right away. The look on my kids' face is like, hey, I don't understand what you're thinking right now, but you're not thinking something good about your dad. And as soon as they're old enough to figure out how to lie, they do that. You know, did you have a cookie? No, I didn't have a cookie, but they got crumbs, you know, all over the front of their thing and the cookie jar lid is open. Uh, I didn't teach him how to lie. He figured that out on his own. Uh, that is kind of where this comes from. Justice has to be done for all mankind. And how did it get done? This is how Jesus did it. This is how God did it. He said that I forgive you in that feeling, but forgiveness also is a transference. It is a payment of debt. The debt has to be paid, not just forgotten about, not ignored. And God doesn't ignore it. He sent Jesus. He sent Jesus to live the perfect life that we would need to otherwise live in order to get forgiveness. Because the punishment of sin is death. It required, and the promise of God is it required an innocent death. That was set out right from the beginning, that a perfect person would have to die. Nobody is going to be perfect So God sent his son, Jesus, to live the perfect life on your behalf. And he had to die with blood being shed, and there's a lot of theology about that because the sins of the world are so horrific. When you think of the the terrible things that are going on today in Ukraine, maybe you blame both sides, but there is atrocity after atrocity after atrocity. The Russians blew up a train station full of innocent people, as we would call them today. We have... Um, so much going on with child sex slavery, human trafficking, all of that kind of stuff today. There is so much evil that is happening. It's, it's not just something that can be overlooked. It's something that has to be paid for. There is cosmic justice. Jesus fulfills that for you. Whenever you have forgiveness, whenever you are forgiven, you have to realize that it isn't just God loving you like and forgetting about it. No, he he forgives you, and you get the gift of grace for free. But God is perfectly just, and therefore he has to have justice. There has to be death. Uh, We can't even comprehend why that is really in a lot of ways. But the scriptures make that really clear, and it balances out the scales. God is so committed to his own justice that he would go so far as to give his own son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. The forgiveness that we get from God doesn't mean nobody pays. It's free to us. The grace we get from the Lord is free to you and me. But it's not free to God. He gave his only son. What does forgiveness mean to you? Do you have a a thought about that? What are you going to say when you go to meet Jesus? Are you ready? Are you ready to go meet Jesus? What do you think? 888-528-2557 is the number if you want to join our conversation. 888-528-2557. You can also send an email to SoCalLive at KKLA.com. I'm Scott Furrow, your host of Southern California Live, and the Wednesday edition will continue in just a moment. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow on 99.5 KKLA. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. Welcome back, everybody. Wednesday afternoon. Hope you're having a good Wednesday and uh, halfway through the week for you if you work Monday through Friday. Uh, Otherwise, maybe it's the beginning of the week. You might have a different thing going on. We're talking about forgiveness, and it's being um, spurred on by the idea of debt forgiveness and the student loan forgiveness. We'll talk about that a little bit more next hour in with regard to some of the specifics and to get your thoughts on that. And I, I think that in this discussion, there is a lot that we can deal with from a 
a Christian standpoint and what forgiveness means. I think that I've seen so many people just act like, well, the government is just wiping out this debt. And they're not. They are transferring the person who owes the debt from one person to another, all right, to all of us ultimately. Somebody's going to pay for it. In this case, taxpayers are going to pay for it. It doesn't just go away. The banks are owed. The banks will be paid by the government that money. They don't tell the banks, you're just out your $10,000 per student. The banks would go under if that happened. It would be chaos. It would be uh, it would just a disaster. They can't do it. The banks are going to get paid. They're fine. The universities are going to get paid, however they might be connected. And their big endowments are safe. The reason they have those big endowments, you know that some of the big schools have endowments today that they didn't have 30, 40 years ago of hundreds of millions of dollars, and a big part of it is your student loans. You know, there's a whole other part here that of the student loan controversy that really, I think, is the issue because they are being abused. And there are many people who are student loan debt holders who are abused. You went out and you spent $100,000 and uh, you got yourself some degree that doesn't make any sense and or that doesn't make any money. And, you know, you should have just been a welder or something. Uh, except now if you're a welder and you didn't go to school, now you get to pay uh, for the gender studies degree that's not paying any money that somebody else you know got. And that doesn't seem right to a lot of people, right? There, that doesn't seem like that's fair. Let me ask you this question. Is it fair that Jesus Christ, if you believe in Jesus, that he forgives all who will come to him, even if it's at the end of their life, even if there is if you are the thief on the cross. Now, he doesn't take it if it's fake, right? It's not just something you say in your deathbed and, you know, and uh, you don't really mean it. You know, that happens, I think, sometimes. I think sometimes people, uh, they say at their deathbed that they believe in Jesus and their family feels good about it, and um, but maybe they didn't. I think there are plenty of people. I think it's very biblical to understand that there are lots of people who are in church every Sunday who, at the end of the day, they say they believe in Jesus, but they don't, and they don't get forgiveness. Forgiveness, if you really want to study it, and, and Christians should, you've got to get into the book of Romans. Romans is probably one of the best theological books if you really want to understand Christianity, how the Old and New Testaments work together. You know, it's the, the New Testament, when it talks about the Scriptures, most of the time it's referring to the Old Testament. Uh, they didn't have New Testaments. They were living it, or it was just being written. And what they had was the Old Testament and the prophets and those stories. And the reason that so many people accepted Christ, first of all, there were eyewitnesses that he rose from the grave. So people saw him. And it wasn't like just a few people or just his guys. It was 500 at the same time. You know, even if there's 500 people in some arena somewhere in Jerusalem and they're tripping out on something, they don't all have, they don't all have the same weird vision they're going to see something else, right? It's it's not like they're seeing Elvis, one guy at the gas station. No, it's people saw and interacted with a risen Christ, somebody that they knew was dead. The reason that Christianity took off with no political power, no money, no leadership uh, to speak of is because that's what happens if somebody were to come up out of the grave. You know, I think that would be pretty, uh, you know, if Abraham Lincoln were to suddenly walk into the room, we would probably listen as Americans to what he has to say because we all know that he died. There are plenty of eyewitnesses that he died. Somebody shot him in the head and was very clear that he did that. There's no question that he was assassinated and then he died. Uh, if he were to walk in the room, Americans would listen, right? It would, and it would change the world. 
Well, that's not going to happen. He's he's long time dead. Um, but that's what happened with Jesus. The reason that his people changed the world is because they had a risen Savior. And they went out and they preached. And they preached to people who knew something was up, who'd seen Jesus only a few days before. And they didn't say, hey, Jesus had some great teachings, you know, love your enemy, that's cool, and uh, wasn't that great? We should, we should pursue that. And love your neighbor as yourself, we should call that the golden rule. And for centuries, people will say that. That's something that we should, you know, that's not what the teaching was. The teaching was is he is the predicted Savior, and you people killed him. You murdered him. He came. He demonstrated who he was with his power. He fulfilled the prophecies that were there. You know this. You studied it your whole life, and uh, you killed him. But, Peter would say, there is forgiveness and grace, and you were part of the plan, and look what happened. He rose again, and he defeated death. And you were forgiven. Jesus on the cross, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. You know, there is this whole message of forgiveness that is the reason that he came, but it is a forgiveness that is built not just on the feeling of God, but on the action of God, the action of paying off the debt. Somebody has to pay. Somebody has to pay the debt with everything. It doesn't just go away, um, this spiritual debt. Somebody has to pay it who can afford it, Okay. Uh, the government can't afford it, by the way. Government has no money. The government is $30 trillion in debt. If somebody were to give the United States $30 trillion, we would be broke. We would have no money. That's how broke we are, okay? All of this is deficit spending. The president likes to say, you know, uh, I'm, uh, I'm lowering the deficit. Yes, compared to the COVID spending we had to do in 2020, 2021, you are. But you're spending money like a drunken sailor, as somebody said. You're spending it like crazy, and it's all debt. 100% of it is debt. Uh, And you're lowering the rate of inflation, only lowering it maybe from what it would be if you would spend more. But you're still raising it. We'll talk about that more later. Somebody has to pay it who can afford it. That's the problem that we have, is that through enough good works, we can't afford it. That's what the Scriptures teach us. This is what comes through so very well in the book of Romans. Romans 3.21, but now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement. Now you can get in all the Bible study that you need to do through this, through the shedding of his blood, which is part of the the law that was given to Moses and handed down through all these generations that we have copies of that we still look at. Jesus fulfilled that through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. And it's always been faith. How was Abraham saved? Righteousness was given to Abraham in the Old Testament, not because he did what God wanted him to do. It's because he had faith in God. God actually told him, go kill your son. So, you know, kind of as a violent, crazy thing. But Abraham, if you study that passage real well, There's a great thing that Abraham says. He says to the people with him when he's told to go sacrifice Isaac, he says, we'll be back, meaning me and Isaac, meaning that his faith, in his faith, he understood that God was not going to have him actually kill his son. The reason that Abraham's faith was so strong, so powerful, is that he had faith that this is not the God he knows. 
that he would take it all the way to the point of lifting up that knife and almost killing his son. He knew that God would stop him. That's the faith. That's what is credited to him as righteousness. Your Old Testament people, they get grace and they get redemption. They get righteousness by credit. All right, sort of a a holy visa card. Jesus comes and he pays off that debt with his death. Jesus is the son who gets sacrificed. Abraham sacrificing Isaac would have done no good for anybody because Isaac was a sinner and Abraham was a sinner. It would have, they, it wouldn't even pay off their own debt. It wasn't enough. You needed a sinless person to come and be that sacrifice of atonement. That's Jesus. That's what he did. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, he had left the sins before committed unpunished. And that's what God's doing so often now. And in his forbearance, the sins of the world are, are not being punished. We suffer consequences, but the justice hadn't been done yet. And justice happened on Jesus. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who are having faith. And that's the other thing. If you're struggling with all of this, I'm not the judge of this. I'm not the one who determines this. Neither is your pastor or your priest or your church. God is the one. And what he says is this. He's the one who has the keys. And you come to God through faith in Jesus Christ. All who believe. That's the way. Wherever your background is, however much money you have, whatever your education is, whatever your ethnicity is, you're made in the image of God. You fall short of the glory of God. You come by faith. Not by performance, which is what you do, just faith. That's it. And, you know, that's different than every other system of faith or philosophy. And an amazing thing about this is that everybody has direct access to God through faith. Uh, And that's amazing. That's equality right there. That's true equity. Everybody falls short of the glory of God. And so God gave us another way. He justified us freely. We didn't earn it or or have to pay for it. Jesus paid for it. He was justified, which means made righteous. We're justified through this, made righteous before God. And justice has been served. We owe nothing. And I think that's really important because so often we think that we're forgiven by God, but we keep on sinning and we think, well, now we need more forgiveness and we need more sacrifice and maybe I better do some good things because, you know, Jesus died, but I keep doing this. No, it's grace. It's free. Jesus paid it all. That's the, that's the old song we used to sing, right? Jesus paid it all. He didn't just pay most of it. He paid it, but it had to be paid. That's a big deal. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. The number is 888-528-2557 if you want to join the conversation, 888-528-2557. I will be back in just a moment as the Wednesday edition of SoCal Live continues. You're listening to SoCal Live with Scott Furrow on 99.5 KKLA. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Great to be with you today on this fine Wednesday. We're talking about forgiveness from the standpoint of debt forgiveness in the news today. We'll talk about that maybe more in some detail the next hour, kind of what's happening with all of that. But I thought, and I will continue to think, that we should always look at these things from the standpoint of what do we understand. There are a lot of Christians, you know, making comments kind of on both sides about what forgiveness is. And, you know, is this an analogy, the forgiveness of student loans, of debt, to what Jesus did for us on the cross. And I don't think that's 
bad thinking to kind of go there because we, we're not having to pay a price ultimately that we owe. The difference is, is that God did it for everybody. Okay, so you the the analogy breaks down because you know the for in order for that analogy to work, every debt of every kind would have to be forgiven uh, by somebody outside of Earth who can pay for it. Um, so your Visa card, your mortgage, your car payment, whatever else you owe, uh, would need to be paid for. The, the reason that doesn't work to say that the student loan debt forgiveness is like Jesus is because Jesus didn't say I'm going to die for this number of sins, these sins right here these student loan payment type of sins, but I'm not going to die for you people who went out and booked a Disney cruise on your Visa card and now you can't afford it. Uh, He pays it all. And, you know, that's one of the political issues here is that, uh, well, if you can, if the government can just come in and pay off student loans, well, and and if the purpose is to, to relieve people from the stress that that's causing them, from the inability to maybe do things in life that you would like to do well why not pay off my mortgage and that'd be awesome pay off my mortgage why not do that why not pay off um your car payment i don't have a car payment anymore i used to have car payments it was horrible if i can recommend it drive a beat up cruddy car and if you have to to have no car payment it's the you know your insurance is lower you still get from a to b sometimes it breaks down but uh you know what it, it's a good deal, but uh, what if somebody just came in and paid it? See, and it's not really fair to just pay off one or another. Jesus didn't die only for certain sins, and that's really important because that's a place where we, we mess this up in the church sometimes, don't we? Like Jesus died for the sins that we did, but he's not dying for the sins that those people outside are doing, and we break people up into different kinds of sins, and, you know, you... You can't be forgiven uh, for, uh, you know, having, you know, for having certain um, sexual sins, but um, because those are just whatever they are, um, and we're not really sure if we want to have you around us, but um, you can be, uh, you know, just a rude person and a gossip, and we'll put you on our church board, uh, maybe because you give a lot of money. See, the, the world sees that and sees the imbalance of that. They, the world sees that in order for Christianity to be true, it has to be just ultimately. Now, Jesus is the, the judge. We can say it's not there. But when there's pure justice, somebody pays for all the sins. And you can't make exceptions for one thing or another. You ever play golf with uh, people who want to play with, like, strict rules? I don't like to play with those people. You know, you know why? Because if I, you know, if I... I don't know, if I accidentally hit the ball with my, my putter and I didn't mean to, I don't want to lose a stroke. We're just messing around here. I wasn't trying to do that, okay? Um, if, you know, there's a lot of weird rules. And if you're, in the, if you're playing in the PGA, you've got to follow those rules because there's a lot of money and there's pressure and there's job and there's advertisers and there's, you know, if I'm just going out with my buddies, you know, I don't want to play, you know, some lame way where we just cheat. But, uh, you know, what? give me a break. Uh, but God doesn't do that because he's just. He can't leave sin unpunished. That's what Romans is telling us. And I think that's another place where we wonder about God's justice today because there's so much destruction. And we're living in a crazy time, right? We are living in a time where there is increased violence, where there is increased threat of war, threat of nuclear war, and catastrophes and atrocities being done. 
And I know there are people who are saying, well, where's God in all of this? Well, he waits. Romans tells us he had forbearance, but he will deal with it. And that's something that we put our hope in, that the injustices that have been done to you, they're going to be taken care of. And either people will be forgiven or they will be judged. They'll be forgiven if they accept the grace and the payment that Jesus made, or they'll pay it. Um, and we really need to be concerned with ourselves with these things and less other people sometimes. You know why? Because you maybe you're asking, are my sins that bad that they should be paid for by death, by Jesus's death? And the answer is yes. Compared to God's perfection, everybody's is that bad. And it's an important thing for us to not compare our sins to each other's sins. God doesn't do that. We all fall short. And still death, you know, sometimes that's hard to figure out. Cosmic justice, it's a little hard to, to, to figure out sometimes because why does God have to be so strict on this and why does there have to be dead and blood shed? But, you know, part of our relationship with God is that we're kids. You know, my kids can't understand. They do not understand why I will not allow them to play video games all day long. Uh, there's really good reasons for that. It, br- it messes with your brain. You need some exercise. You should be doing some other things. You should, you know, and I like video games personally. You know, I wouldn't mind playing video games all day long. And I, I spent a lot of time doing that in college. And all I had was a lousy Super Nintendo. You know, we didn't have internet. We couldn't do stuff like you could do today. I can't even imagine how immersed some people, I can because I've seen people. I knew people though in college who flunked out of school because of video games. Like they just didn't study. They just didn't study for their finals and they're out. Uh, I don't want my kids to be that, and I don't want it messing with their brain, and we, we control this pretty good. My kids don't understand it at all, and it's extra hard when there's somebody across the way who gets to play all day long every day, and they wonder why is that happening, and they don't understand why their parents have these rules, but if you're a parent, you get it. You know, I know people who are in therapy, kids who are in physical therapy, physical therapy because their neck doesn't work right because since they were two, they've been staring at an iPad. And they're just sort of hunched over and their their shoulders too high and their neck doesn't work right. This is for real. You can look it up. Um, you know, parents, we just can't just hand them the, I know it's convenient and I've done it before, but we have to make those decisions. Kids don't get it, though. They don't understand. That's kind of how it is with God sometimes, our Father in Heaven, is there are things that that we just don't fully understand. Part of faith is to say, I don't have to understand them. I trust that God is God and I'm not. And I trust that Jesus is the judge and he's going to be governed by his own character and the justice that is who he is. And if if that justice demands the death of an innocent person and the only innocent person can be Jesus walking that innocent life that we all strive for that we can't do, then that's the way it is. We have to trust God in that way. That's that's faith. You know, the Bible tells us that, that you know, there's faith, hope, and love. Uh, the greatest of these things is love. Um, you know what? You, you have to have faith. Without faith, you don't have hope, okay? If there's no hope, if nobody's paid for your sins, you still owe. You will stand before God, and you will not have the payment made. That's what Jesus does. That's why you have hope. That's why you have hope in your sins. That's why you have hope even in the evil that you've committed in the past Or if you're listening and you're listening right now and you're going, I'm in the midst of evil right now. You have hope because Jesus already died for you. He's calling on you to give your life to him, to confess that sin, to repent, to turn around. And the reason you have hope is because Jesus' death was enough. 
but it was enough because he paid for it, not because he's just going to arbitrarily say, okay, whatever, dude. No, he paid. The money was paid. The debt was paid. You have hope because Jesus rose. We can trust that he truly does have the keys to death and Hades because he came out of the grave. And love is what we are to do now and forever. You know why the greatest of these things is love? I have a really good friend, and she has got three little girls, and their middle names are Faith, Hope, and Love. And, you know, to me, I'm thinking, you know what? If my middle name of the three sisters is love, and in her case, it's actually the middle child, uh, that's pretty awesome because one day those little girls are going to learn these things remain faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these things is love. That middle child is going to leverage that with her sisters all the time. You know why the greatest is love? Because once you're in heaven, there's no reason for faith. Everything to trust God has been realized. Your hope has been realized. What you have is love. That's what we are to do here, now, and forever. That's what you do. Can you forgive other people? You know, when you forgive other people, we're supposed to forgive other people as Jesus did. You know what Jesus did is that, you know, he paid it. If somebody owes you a debt because they've sinned against you, or maybe it's a financial debt, can you? Just write it off and say, forget it. You don't have to pay me. You can. But you notice the, you didn't get paid back. You still paid. Somebody always pays. If somebody sinned against you and justice was not done in any sort of earthly way, can you forgive them? You can. But in doing so, you paid. You paid for their action. And you might have paid with your injury or you paid with your frustration or whatever it is, but you paid. And you take that upon yourself. See, when we forgive others as Jesus forgave us, we're still paying for it. What that means is is that somebody sinned against me, I'm going to bear the cost. That's what Jesus does for us. I hope that's helpful for you today. And, you know, forgiveness and loan forgiveness being such a, a conversation today, and it's an important one. Let's let's use it as an example to have this conversation about what the forgiveness of Christ is, because we have something that's beautiful. We have faith, hope, and love. We have hope because Jesus Christ died for our sins and rose again on the third day. We have hope that his call, his description of the kingdom of God and everlasting life is actually true and that anybody can get there when they turn their heart to Christ. If we can help you with that at all, we'd love to. You can reach out to me at SoCalLive at KKLA.com. That's the email address right here, SoCalLive at KKLA.com. You can also go to this radio station website to get the podcast of this hour and uh, learn more about our show. Just go to the program guide or go to the, uh, the keyword SoCal Live, and you can find it there. We'll be back next hour. We'll talk a little bit more about this from the standpoint of poverty and uh, how we can really help and maybe see this and take your calls as soon as we get back. You're listening to Southern California Live. The Wednesday edition will continue. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.